what would be your key message to anybody listening to your episode in your native language? Well, I could do it like my mother tongues are Spanish and Catalan, so I could say like the same thing. Both. Yes, I guess for me, like, for example, I will think about people that are like in my studies or they are really worried about climate change and biodiversity loss. I think it will be something like, like, get, I will say first in English, I guess, because I'm getting nervous, like get out of the... Can you believe it now you're nervous to say, yeah. speak in your own language? Yeah, but it's like an important message for me. So I feel like <laughs> I have like a responsibility to say something important for me or what is helping me help me like to know more about everything was like getting out of the university world and try to contact or know like local associations in for example in your area that work in different teams and they are also doing like maybe less impact they don't go in the news but I think it's like a really important like work that they do uh, these small NGOs or associations get out of there and try to discover like how really the world in this yeah get out of the university and see what people from like your neighbors or your local people are doing to help with this climate change biodiversity loss problems that we have and yeah just try to make contact and see what what is the reality if I would say it in Catalan for example we like surf for the la universitat contacta amb les associacions o ONGs que tens a la vora i bàsicament això és mira de veure què fan i ajuda perquè tot i que no poden no facin un treball que surti a les notícies, jo crec que és una feina molt important que es fa a nivell local i que s'hauria de valorar més. And if I said Spanish, I don't know if I said the same thing in English, but something similar. Something similar, that's good enough. Sal de la universitat i contacta i conoce a associaciones locales i ONGs que també fan un treball important en temes de canvi climàtic o pèrdida de biodiversitat, que, aunque no salen les notícies, considero que és una un trabajo muy importante y que se tendría que valorar. I believe you also speak French. Can you do it in yeah. French as well? I should like really think about it. Sorry for my Spanish accent, but like I'm Spanish. Are you kidding me? So it's super cool. I don't know. It's super cool. I like, you have to deal with it. Like, sorry. <laughs> it's my, how I am. Like, sorte de l'université et contact des associations ou des ONG locaux qui font des, qui travaillent sur des sujets liés à la recherche climatique ou, la, ou, la, ou à la biodiversité ou à la perte de non, biodiversité c'est un travail très important qu'ils font euh, même si ça n'apparaît pas dans les impôts euh, je considère que c'est un travail très important et qu'il faut euh, vraiment valorer yes, something like that I can't believe you actually did, did that it would have fumbled if I had to say something now we will like, get like too good oh you said that this like really bad is not the right word you are really bad just speak one language I guess I think you are phenomenal man it's just beautiful to see you speak in four languages that is just so beautiful it was so inspiring <laughs> Thank you. 
let me start with the very first thing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Alicia. So happy to see you. We are yes, meeting I... after one one month, right? Yeah, something like that. But it's nice to see you again. Not in person this time, but yeah, not with my dogs. <laughs> well, now we have another dog, Melissa's dog. You think she actually got her dog from Helsinki? Yeah, yeah. I hope that dog is nice and friendly. Yeah, she's nice. Oh, okay, what's her name? Mimi. Yeah, I can. Well, yeah, she's in my bed. Hello there. <laughs> that is a friendly dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite sure. Fraser didn't do any of that. Anyways, uh, so I let's start with the, how was your day today? Like you, you mentioned that you didn't actually go uh, to that forest fire site, right? You went to Hippie Island. So yeah. tell us more about what you did there. What do, what is that place like? What do you do there? Yeah, well, we didn't and like going today to the forest fire place because there was like some chances of raining and the machine it cannot get wet. So we just went to Hippie Island. That's another thing that we do with this invasive species, the Himalayan balsam, Yati balsam in so it's spreading in this old growth forest near Selkia. It's not really like uh, spreading a huge area. So I think we will manage to maybe not this year, but maybe next year it will be almost completely disappear from there. Uh, by next year, we expect no invasive species, at least the Himalayan balsam, not yeah. to be there. Uh, Alisa, I was a little curious. I mean, I can understand semantically old growth forest, what it means. But mm-hmm. what is the difference when people say what is an old growth forest? And how's it di- how does it differ from what is a new forest called? Like an old go- growth forest forest will be like not uh, like in Finland most of them like are managed because there's the forestry industry that's really big but an, an old growth forest will be like a type of forest that it's been like some time it's impossible to be like pristine in somehow or in, in some time they have been managed or used for human actions or economy but it will be like a forest that it's like the trees there are like from different species and they have like different tree ages I mean like there's differences between their diameter or length there's also the presence of decayed wood that will be really hard to find in a managed forest because well they will say that there's like some saproxylic insects for example beetles that we eat like uh, wood or something so that usually they take it away and yeah also like the tree structure I mean like multi-layer canopy that will be like you will see like trees from different heights so there's like uh, the most like high canopy and then maybe there will be some smaller trees and they do like different levels in the forest and they could be like different habitats or different species. and yeah and they are not organized like in managed forest you see like a line with trees but not in this case okay so it's more like an old growth forest for a very lay person it's almost like an untouched forest where we don't disturb anything mm, and exactly. a man anything that is touched or managed by humans then that is like the new plantation or managed yeah. forest usually okay. like at some point they have been like managed or touched but by human action but you don't see like like quite a recently one activity because it's i think it's, it's impossible to find somewhere that hasn't been like touched or by humans. So in Finland, uh, are there many old growth forests or like this is the one in Selkia, the only one? They're not very much because uh, yeah, the forestry industry, the ones that I know and I have I, that I have visited at least are this one. Then there is one in Padvinsuo National Park and then there's one, an old one or at least you see that it hasn't been like managed for some time in Habukakalio in Ilomansi. That's another place that we work on it. The trees are not very old but you see like some ant nest like really big that can also indicate that there hasn't been any forestry activity. Percentage is anyways less than Finland. I was curious when I had come to uh, visit right uh, with you guys I had come to Hippie Island uh, and I did find a, a book on birds and I found the Hippie Island bird in the book. Oh, nice. Just today actually this morning my neighbor showed it to me and it was all in Finnish but she showed me the bird. So <laughs> I was a little curious like besides the Himalayan balsam is there anything else any other invasive exotic species? In that forest well maybe not 
exactly in the same forest, but as there are gardens near another thread would be the looping thing. Now I don't remember there is some near, but the, anywhere, like this looping plant is everywhere now and also in Helsinki. Oh, so I guess that could be a launch or threat and then or other invasive species that come from garden. But for the moment, there's only that one. All right. And you brought up this important point about lupin, right? So I, because you guys were studying invasive species, I happened to notice the lupin when I was walking along my walking trail behind hmm. my area. And some some of my neighbors, they actually grow, they pick it out and they grow it because it looks pretty. But it's, I, I read about it and it's an invasive species that came from North Canada. It's it's not even from anywhere in Europe. Uh, but the thing is, I, I don't know, is it like a really threatening species or is it like something we can ignore? Because there are quite a lot now that I see them. Yeah, growing. yeah. This I think there's a Mediterranean species, but this one, yeah, the one in Finland comes from North America and Canada. And yeah, it came also by garden because it's a really nice plant and you see like this kind of... Looks really beautiful. <laughs> full of lupin, but then like yeah, it takes a lot of space. It's also like uh, Himalayan balsam. The problem is that it takes a lot of space and so other like natural, like endemic, let's say, kind of, or European plants kind of grow there. And for example, today, well, another example, even if it's for Yati balsam, the Himalayan balsam, we went to the forest inside where you were there also there to check how was it inside. Like now there's like, because last year was full of Himalayan balsam and I pull it out in, like in the most center part of the forest. And it, now this summer like start to grow. Some plants were like starting to grow and now it's completely like covered from other plants. So basically we, oh. it's like we have seen the result of pulling them out. Like that was full cover of Himalayan balsam. Now it, there are like some needles and those are the regular yeah, well, ones. I mean like it's not, well, if you walk there, it's not nice to have needles because you are like getting <laughs> <laughs> itchy everywhere, everywhere, but it's better than Himalayan balsam. <laughs> And yeah, for the lupin, exactly. It's the same problem. It takes space for other like plants that should grow there naturally. And yeah, now I don't think there's much to do because with plants and the distribution of lupin, it's like everywhere. And people, if they're still growing it or something, it's really impossible. We have been pulling out some of it, like in this cabin that we also have in Moni, like near Selkia. But it's like a really like small work. It can like be effective there. But if you start like, it will be impossible to start working in the roads yeah. because you see them like everywhere. So. Way too much. That's what I was wondering. So when I was reading that it's one of the six highly invasive species in Finland, uh, one of the researchers in Helsinki was like, it's pointless to remove this lupin one now because mm. it's got so, it's just everywhere. Yeah. And also it's really difficult because it grows like from the roots and the roots are kind of like where we were pulling them out the other, they look kind of carrots, uh, like something. <laughs> so like we, we were like shoveling and with that and it's like really hard because you have to try to take all of the roots so maybe you will like miss a piece or so yeah I think at this point it's really like impossible to eradicate we'll it from like you with this invasive species in general all of them you have to really start working really early or too late so let's let's go back to the Himalayan balsam you said yeah. we cleared it now and by next year we won't have that problem and you also mentioned garden waste so people throw it over there right are we now putting boards over there or educating the local people there to not throw more mm. Himalayan balsam just to prevent that from happening again yeah i don't know if they are throwing like gardening waste anymore but yeah i think it will be a good idea to do to give some information to selkie villagers or inhabitants to like show them like the work i've been taking pictures of the like before and after and yeah and i think it can affect everyone because maybe you don't like this plant and it will get everywhere in your garden because it press like really easily because the seeds at the beginning i didn't imagine that they were like they told me
me, yeah, they explode. I was like, how like that works? <laughs> but in fact, yeah, like when they're like completely ripped, I think it is to work. They're like, you touch them and they just go everywhere. So it's a really easy like spreading plan. Wow. So okay. that's like a problem for the, f- there's also a field next to the place. I think there's some agricultural land. So if the guy, the person like cultivating something there could also have a problem. So I think it's really important that we should do some work about it and explain like what is important. Three years you've been working on that, right? Two or three years. I started last summer and I did a lot in, especially like in the, like the central part of the old growth forest because it was more important. I thought it was more important to take, pull them out or eliminate them from there and then start working in the outside part. And now we are working in the outside and maybe like between the old growth forest and the field. So, but we're still like pulling some of the, like in the central part because we miss some of them. And I think next year we'll still have to work some of it because we'll miss some some plans or something. I believe then we'll, yeah, some sort of uh, notice or some board or some educational yeah. material, but just to not affect your work because you yeah, put in a lot of exactly. effort there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's, if you do it like kind of early, it's kind of easy because if they don't have seeds, the plant is really like watery. So they dry like really easily. So it just even like cut them and they die and we pull out the roots just in case. But I think it will, it's kind of an easy plant to eliminate if you are quickly. Are there more areas that you guys are targeting for this Himalayan balsam? Are there more areas in Finland? They are everywhere. So like I only, at the beginning of this summer, I, I knew there was, it was only in Hippie but then like this cabin in Moni, there's also some, and then in Tohmajarvi where the, we have the fish base, there's also a forest attached to the, like the property. I went there to check if there was something and yeah. <laughs> so oh dear there was some of them that was like no not again another place to to work on it you have your work cut out for you but I don't think that's that oh yeah, man I was not no not happy about it when I saw them totally oh god I want to now actually come back to since this was a, I think this was my third day with you guys and I was quite excited when we went there and today you had told me that you're going for this forest fire right to remeasure mm. this with Enzo I wanted to go back of, of last month or maybe go back mm. a few more weeks and uh, did you ever get a chance to go back to that side yeah I've been going at least one or twice with Enzo okay. because we go there like uh, once every two weeks and I've been going with him so so you ha- you guys have been measuring what I wanted to understand from there is uh, we are still measuring the carbon dioxide emission right in that particular forest fire site uh, yeah what is the idea you, you're measuring every week what I wanted to understand is um, what is Enzo and what are your, you seeing there when you see the measurements every week? What is the trend like and what are we trying to observe there? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I don't know like the results yet because they're like Enzo is working on it and they were like coding and stuff to have some results. And they are also doing like this soil analyzing. So yes. they will, there's also like water levels. Like forest fires like are a natural like fact or natural part of the ecosystem. So when a forest gets burned, like there are some, for example, fauna that specializes in burned site. If it, these fires are suppressed, these species suffer because you don't, they don't have the habitat. Here, like we have a good opportunity because usually like for this kind of studies, they go to Canada or to Siberia to study this. What happens when a forest gets burned and how the CO2 
like, is it a carbon sink or is it emitting a lot of CO2? They were really interested in the U.S. to have a place that is really near to the university. Well, it's not like a huge fire. Like Yeah, I think Antoine had mentioned it's a five hectare forest and two yeah, hectares, I think, was burnt. Yeah. yeah. But the whole forest so, was five, I think. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. So it's like more like a forest lab, not like a really huge area. But even though I think it's really important like to know how it works, as in Finland, there's no much forest fires. It's also good to know what happens when this happens. Because yeah, as now forests are simplified and then they give it even get burned ever because of the forestry and yeah and besides this bring out greenhouse gas measurements there will be other actions like fauna so survey and stuff to know what, what species have come or how the forest is recovering from this fire from last year it was a natural uh, fire it was from a light light storm or something so this was a natural one there also the opportunity to to study this kind of habitats that we don't see that often so to analyze this gas like gas flows of the co2 to see how what happens and what kind of like fauna comes there because there are for example these beetles that are really like attracted to fire burned sites so they just travel like they smell the fires and they just come from kilometers away to go okay uh, that's your area of interest right all this yeah. fauna <laughs> yeah. well i'm doing now a little bit of everything but i like insects so it's like really specific uh, fauna or species that are like really dependent on fire so when these guys start coming what else are you expecting do you expect anticipate something else coming along with them like when the beetles come there no i think it will we'll just see like what happens and now i think there's already like you i think you already like some plants that regrowing or some trees mm-hmm. that didn't like burn that high that much because it was a low fire thing so mm, some trees didn't die uh, die at all so they're like regrowing or some plants are coming back so it's also a nice experience I guess to see how a burned site can recover you mentioned something about this right measurement I wanted to ask you about that what was that thing I was carrying that gas analyzer <laughs> the ghostbuster oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to know yeah <laughs> the ghostbuster we actually bought it right snow change cooperative bought yeah. that yeah you have to ask for it because it's like really like specific machine that they do it for you if you are like a lot of money I know yeah. <laughs> <had> mentioned. <laughs> yeah and I did notice that the Enzo and guys right they were using metal but when we were measuring at Lin Nunsuo, you had this plastic thing what was the difference like why did we have metal uh, brackets here and we had plastic over there in the wetland yes so in the forest fire Enzo only measures CO2 but in Lin Nunsuo, we also measure besides the water levels and the CO2 the methane and, and we do like the difference with the like dark bell that they have and our plastic transparent one is that we also check what role has photosynthesis in Lin Nunsuo with the greenhouse gas measurement because some species could act as a chimney from like the methane that it's like underground like from the like this methane could come from the roots from some specific uh, plants and then just go out in the atmosphere so we do this dark cloudy sunny conditions that you saw that so sunny is like you will see like whole photosynthesis so the yeah the plant is breathing and stuff and then the cloudy will get less because there's less light and then the dark is like when there's no any light so the plant just breathes and it's like takes CO2 and okay so that's the difference the photosynthesis element actually made it uh, that's why we were doing that shading it and then cloudy and exactly. then both sunny cloudy and dark okay okay got yeah that, so yeah. light conditions change to see this and are you still uh, measuring that like are, are you continuing to do that yeah we are doing this also like every two weeks uh, we should go next week and we are doing this like from the beginning of summer until like before or snow starts so it will be like until September October maybe yeah how many years we have we started 
doing last this? year okay last year yeah and it will be done i think this year and also uh, next year because you will need a lot of data to have like some results that we could say yeah so this happens or no this happens because right, like okay, we yeah, don't so... know like much about like we know that when because linux is like a was a destroyed peatland and it got restored hmm. but no change like we, I think it, they finished last year so we know that uh, flood pillars like with water act, act as carbon sinks places so it's important for climate change and we also have to know that also this linen show for example there will be some emissions of methane because these plants that I told you for example or in the water maybe or some areas will still like act as like carbon uh, carbon or methane em em emissions and I know we know that methane is more like dangerous or more yeah. critical to climate change but it's a natural like process so we just want to know like how the carbon flow uh, works in this in Linux point and because it's a restored site how how different is it over the years it's over a decade yeah, yeah. 12 years yeah, okay. yeah something like that and yeah and also to show like what difference is like if we should really like focus on for example in restoring buildings if they work as carbon places this could be like a huge thing to kind of mitigate climate change what sparked your interest? You mentioned that you worked at Snow Change before. Well, from I'm from Tarragona, a town in Spain. But well, I've studied environmental science in Barcelona, and then I did my masters in biodiversity in the same university. The first time that I came to UNS was for my internship from the bachelor. I had to do my bachelor thesis somewhere, and I decided to go somewhere else because of a friend and like some last-minute changes. I ended in UNS doing this thesis about like how the diversity beetles diversity change like in managed forest depending of the type of management like maybe there will be some differences in the beetles diversity and then this year this was 2019 and then that year i met antoine because he was also he was working already for snow change and now well, he's doing his phd he was like talking to me yeah today i did this i'm working for snow change and his work was really like i really like it it was like the things that i always wanted or I was expecting to do someday so I was like really amazed and then we, we kept in contact and when I was doing my master thesis it was in 2020 2021 so there was COVID uh, we, we had a lot of online classes and I really wanted to go somewhere and do like some like field work because Practical. I was tired of doing like online and I knew like Antoine was dealing with the interns that they wanted to come so I just asked him like can I come to Snow Change and do some work during summer summer and then he asked and yeah I was able to come last summer here for two months and yeah I did some I helped with the traditional fishing work and then from the Himalayan balsam work with the greenhouse gas measurements too and then well Tero was Tero Mustinen was like he really liked me he everybody like, likes really... you I like you <laughs> and Fraser <laughs> definitely likes you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks and he was like oh yeah you should come back like if you want to work with us I was like yeah and I I did some like this report from for Linux show when I was in my hometown see what species have been observed like what work about Linux show like the fauna and the flora should be done like we should like maybe observe or try to identify more species yeah I was doing that during the winter and then I told him like if you have something that you think I will be good at it or if you have something to offer me just tell me because
but I will be glad to come back then. I got like this job position yeah, so now for you. 18 <laughs> for 18 months. So I was coming to Yuensu for the third time, this time for a longer period. And it will be my first winter. Let's see how that works because I've only been in summer here. <laughs> but yeah, this that's will be very I, interesting. Basically, that's how I end like here again. <laughs> well, it's a nice place because if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have come at least the second time. <laughs> but what do you like? What's the best part about uh, all the things that you do? Because I see you involved in so many things in a in a day in the week. I just saw your mm. calendar shifting, so I wanted to know like what do you really enjoy the most? Like every day is different. Yes, I get that. Mm. But like, what excites you? Like, wow, this is fun. Well, I already like really prefer like field work and I really like also that we do a lot of different stuff sometimes it's not related to my like studies but I don't mind because I like to learn new things for example with the fishing like I don't go now as much as I used to go for example last summer because there's some other interns one of the things that I really like about snow change work is there were like I could see it like some work that had really an impact in like in our studies like environmental science or climate change like because usually you, you see like in the university you see a lot of yeah you should we should do this and this and this we should get improving these things but then you don't see like anyone doing the work or it's only research for me at least for my point of view so the thing that I like the most like it's like working for something that it will have like an impact in in the world or in Finland or in oh you definitely did that <laughs> you definitely had an impact on that hippie island place yeah, yeah today was for example today I was really happy when we were like in the center of the this old growth forest because last summer was like full of Himalayan balsam and I have pictures like it's really full of it and today it looked like so different like it was like kind of a different place so I was like yeah like I see now what what my work has done like in this forest at this could you share with me the photos I want to see that needle the pine thing that you said yeah I think I can yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I can send you some pictures of last yeah. summer and this summer <laughs> and I think you also had put up that you put your camera trap right did you get yeah. anything there in hippie well besides you and i i <laughs> i got the squirrels <laughs> but in linen i record like a fox that i oh, we've wow. seen that it's like a regular there like i think every day it goes there because i i recorded like in in one place Antoine has taken up some pictures in another side of Linusho and now it's in another place so maybe like it's like the, so that's his home now territory yeah. or something but yeah I also think like ducks and rabbits I haven't checked like the last files but let's see if there's like a moose or something <laughs> it would be nice okay so I think I will end this conversation and mm -hmm. stop the recording and now we can just chat thank you for listening to this episode of Arctic Hulls the intro and outro music is by Cooper Moore courtesy of Free Music Archive 